The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adept of the Mechanicum, or a mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find your place here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, broadcasting deep within the bowels of the Vengeful Spirit. Yeah, this one, I mean, it's not like terribly loud. It's just like when I'm serene, I'm painting, like I've got the the tank is full, I'm going. And then all of a sudden I hear it kick on and it's like, God damn it, it pulled me out of my zen. It's like, I need something that lasts a little longer. Isn't just so like abrasive, I guess. So what I ended up getting was one that was the five gallon tank. It set me back a pretty penny, but um, it's pretty worth it. I can go uh, probably two days without having to have the compressor kick on again. Are you fucking serious? Oh my god! What is this? But yeah, dude. Here, here's the major problem. Here's the major problem is I forget it's on, and then I'll be dead in the middle of the night sleeping, and all of a sudden I hear it go. Burr! I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> And it scares the dog shit out of me, and my and my dog too. And she gets up, she gets pretty mad. Um, yeah. Does it scare yeah. the human shit out of her? Yeah, it scares the dog shit out of me, human shit out of her, and uh, just piss out of both of us. Yeah. Is this one that you made or you bought it like that? No, no, I bought it. It's Badger. Um, it's a five gallon tank from Badger. How much was it, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, maybe three fifty. Oh, that's not bad, especially considering you use it all the time. Yeah. Um, plus, the pump itself is amazing, but I bought it for the gallon because uh, I was having problems with white, and I was like, why is white not working? Like, it was always leaving spray patterns, and I was like, all right, well, uh, spray patterns typically are because it's too thick, right? So I thin it down like it's basically milk at that point, right? And then still getting spray patterns, and I'm like, well, what is it? So I finally transitioned to a tank that can give me prolonged PSI for a longer time before the tank has to kick on. Cause you, I mean, you know, uh, when the tank kicks on, you get a different level of PSI versus when you first pull the trigger back and the compressor starts going right. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how I got it set is, um, I know it's going to be different. So I just go ahead and let the air out and I don't even start painting until the compressor kicks on. And then I'm just brushing while the, I've got it set for the PSI of the compressor. It's so loud. Exactly. But to me, is like, what's the purpose of a tank at that point then? Yeah, you're right. Like, why, why even go through a tank? Why not just get one that is just the compressor? You know what I mean? That way you know exactly. You, you cut out the middleman of having to wait for the air to empty out of the compressor or out of the tank. So, but I wanted the tank for the quietness of it. So I did this and. I mean, there's other things to it, like my technique, like you said, having to pull the trigger first and then let the pull back. Like there's, it was just a whole bunch of shit. But anyways, I thought it was the tank. It wasn't, it was me. It was user operator error, but I got a new compressor out of it anyways. You know what I mean? Hells yeah. And now you can white just fine. Yeah. Uh, white is pretty fucking good. I've got much better at white. Helps out with my little OSL. Which I got to say, let's talk. Oh, by the way. Guys, if you're listening to this, you're probably already aware this is a Remerchers Retreat. We got a mini episode. I, I want to say we're not going to have like a normal, uh, long, drawn out thing with uh, 
any of our special segments. We're just going to be talking. We're going to go over Adeptus Titanicus a little bit because uh, right today I got here myself, Will. Uh, then we got Robbie and Ryan. So all three of us, we're going to be going over this. And we're all into Adeptus Titanicus, and that's what we're all painting right now. So we'll be going over that. Uh, then we'll be going over a little bit of the event we held yesterday, which was the Istvan 5 event. Um, and I think you guys are going to like the Istvan 5 event stuff that we have. Um, and then we'll probably go over some terrain building, too. So it's just going to be some hobby talk. Um, you know, don't don't expect something crazy and amazing content, but uh, it'll definitely be a good little listen. So, Robbie, let's get on to Adeptus Titanicus, then. Uh, your Reaver. We'll post pictures up on the uh, Facebook page and on Twitter, but your Reaver is outstanding. Um, from start to finish of concept to tabletop, how long did it take you to do? Um, well, I've got a few Titans going. I'm doing like a batch kind of thing right now. Um, so I've got a Warlord, two Reavers, and uh, two Warhounds, all in various stages. I've got the uh, two Reavers and Warlord all built, magnetized, um, based, uh, and just, you know, various stages of paint now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was... Uh, reading Mechanicum uh, to get uh, inspiration for my Mechanicum, you know, hence why I was reading it. And uh, at the same time, uh, you know, Adeptus Titanicus came out and I was like, man, I need to pick a Legio. And I was already kind of familiar with uh, Tempestus. I was like, okay, they're pretty cool. You know, they're not over the top, you know, kind of like some of these other ones. And I was like, I kind of, I kind of dig it. Um, so, I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And then when like the the actual rules came out for Titanicus, uh, Tempestus was one of the two that were listed to have rules. And I was like, oh my god, this is even cooler. You know, I've got I've got a Titan Legio that already has its rules. I didn't have to sit here and uh, think about how I was going to play it. So I kind of already uh, got shoehorned into a style, which I was cool with. Uh, you know, because I I really didn't care about the rules. I just I was just putting you know, Titans together. I didn't care about the loadout. I just looked at what I like personally. And like, if I was to buy the real Titan from uh, Forge World, how would I, you know, make the, make us. Yeah, that's actually, that's not a bad idea. Like if you were really going to buy a 28 millimeter and you had to pay $60 an arm, you'd probably be selective on your arms. Right. So how, how would you load it out? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then it turns out like there's really no bad choices um, so you could literally pick whatever weapons you want and you're still going to be good at the game because that's how I think in my opinion, that's how well Titanicus is, is it's pretty balanced so far. And, you know, I'm sure there will be some FAQ later on because it's such a new game just to like, uh, you know, finalize and, you know, for brevity and, you know, transparency. But other than that, like you can't go wrong. So if you're like, dude, I want to put some weapons on my Titan. I don't know what I want to put on there. Because the game, just it magnetize it if you're that worried about it. But who cares? Do put what you like on there. You're gonna have fun with it because all the options are fun. Right. So that's actually a good point, right? Like, are we gonna see more? Like, I'm sure we'll see more knights and that kind of stuff, right? But I mean, as far as titans go, I think this is it, right? And these weapons are it. I mean, we'll see upgrade kits for things like we don't see, like weight cannons, right? I think it all depends on how how good the game 
last, like how sales go. Cause you gotta remember it's all about the money. Um, I think is if it does blow up, like I hope it does, uh, you'll start to see, um, you know, just crazy upgrades kind of like how forge roll did with Knights. You know, you got the Strix and the Majera, then you had your Sarasis Knights coming out. They'll, they'll make the fluff for the stuff. Even if there isn't something supporting it. Oh, you're um, absolutely right. They'll yeah. be like, hey guys, all of a sudden we got these termites. I mean, we've yeah. oh, look at this, but but look at this. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm not totally familiar. Um, I'm old head, but I never really played Epic. But there were other classes of Titans that I'm pretty sure about. No, you're so. absolutely right. There were other classes yeah. of Titans and Knights, uh, and they looked a lot different. Um, so they could definitely draw inspiration for some, quote, new Knights at revisiting old artwork. You're right. Yeah, I think it's cool. Well, right now, the game, like, I think they built it uh, to be pretty, pretty skeleton, to be fun. But there's so much room that they can build off of it. I mean, all the way down to... They didn't actually put weapon stats in the rule book, which was crazy because, you know, if you're like, oh, we need to rebalance these weapons. They'll print the new weapon cards, you know, kind of like um, who, who's doing that now, like X-Wing. X-Wing's got like their points aren't even on their uh, their special cards anymore. You have to use an app. So they kind of like future proof in the game. I thought that was a really good concept. Oh, yeah. You're talking about with version two of X-Wing. Yeah, that's a uh, pretty genius of them, I'd say. Ryan, what's your opinion on it? Um, I'm kind of in the same opinion. I mean, I, I like, I know a lot of people are magnetizing, um, which is cool, but like, I know for me, I've got one warlord. I'm just going to throw the bellicosa cannons on there. I'm going to throw the stock missile launchers on there. Um, the reavers, I know I'm going to put a fist on each of my reavers cause it's cool as fuck. And then I'll put one of each of the, ar- you know, the, the shooty arms, um, and then the Warhounds, I'm just going to play around with it. I'll probably have a couple that are like Mega Blaster and Plasma, and then maybe a couple Turbo Laser Destroyers uh, on yeah. the other groups. So I'm gonna, I have two groups. Uh, I'm going to have four Warhounds, two Reavers, one Warlord, and I've got six Knights. Um, and now it's pretty pretty much everything I think I'm going to ever need for Adeptus Titanicus, uh, at least until it picks up in Maryland and people are playing it more. Um so I'm just going to kind of roll with it and do what I want. I know in Richmond, dude, they're selling out of it. So I know Richmond is getting real popular with it because we are selling out of it. None of the, the local game store here can keep it stocked long enough. Like as soon as it comes in, it's off the shelf. Yeah. So, you know, come on down, bro. We'll, we'll hold uh, AT events for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, probably in January, I'm going to start kicking off an Adeptus Titanicus League was well, it's actually going to be uh, probably like specialist games type league in uh, Glen Burnie, Maryland. Uh, the store we play at once a month, uh, they are open until midnight, which is great for me because my girls go to bed around seven. So I can show up to the store about seven 30 and then play for four or five hours. So I'm just going to show up with like an Adeptus Titanicus board, a Battlefleet heresy board, uh, a zone mortalis board, and then people come and play you know, whatever they want. But I think that's, I'm going to try to kick it up with Adeptus Titanicus starting like January timeframe. Nice. So let's talk then. Uh, Robbie, what are your weapon options that you're doing? Like what's your, what's your list then? And what's your weapon option? Well, so right now I kind of, this is like, I have, I have like the style that I use for pretty much every game that I play. 
Uh, and if you pay attention, you'll always find the same kind of synergy. Uh, but I, I, I pick one thing that's heavy, it's aggressive, and it's got long range, and it creates a firing lane. So I get to kind of dictate where the battle takes place. And then I have something to cover its flank, to be near it, uh, and to pretty much be its uh, adaption. And then I have teams that pretty much sweep in and out of cover as I move forward and I, you know, I systematically delete parts until I, I have the numbers to, to beat you head on. So I've got a warlord uh, who's... So hold on, I just want to pause. Basically, your battle strategy is that of a Velociraptor pack, is what you're telling me. I, you know what? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's like how I played Necromunda. I'd have a, a heavy, heavy ganger with a heavy stubber or heavy bolter, you know, in a good, good firing lane. And then I'd have guys with flamers and close combat, you know, going up. And then I'd have like a marksman bolter covering the flank and, you know, having a, a cross crossfire for the heavy. So I, I pretty much took that same way I play every other game, I guess. Um, and I just adapted it to uh, Titanicus. So that puts me at a Warlord. He's got a Bellicosa Volcano Cannon, two APOC Missile Launchers, and a Quake Gun. Um, that was kind of like I wanted to convert something because um, I also wanted to use the Volcano Cannon for a Reaver. So I chopped that up and made a, made a bit for it. But um, that's just pretty much long range. It's going to stay back uh, and just throw hate. Then I've got a Long Distance Reaver. Uh, that's going to work in unison with the Warlord with a Volcano Cannon, uh, APOC Missiles, and a extended range Turbo Laser that the Legio Tempestus gets to have an upgrade on all their Turbo Lasers. Uh, so I've got that, um, you know, crisscrossing firing lanes with the Warlord. Then I've got a team of two Warhounds, uh, magnetized weapons. So it, uh, it all depends on which ones I fall in love with. But so far, I like uh, Plasma. And uh, melt uh, mega bolter. You know that seems to be the most well-rounded. Drop shields, do damage, and then a reaver with a turbo laser, carapace, uh, chain fist, and gatling blaster to just get up close and put some hate, put some hurt, and don't care if it dies. Yeah, force some pressure and make a move. Yeah. Oh yeah. I myself, I've got. Um... A warlord with a standard loadout with the missiles on the carapace and the two bellicose, um, and then I've got a reaver, which has got. Uh, I'm waiting for the chain fist and the melter to come out because he's going to be my brawler. Um, I'm going to put probably a uh, uh, what are the carapace mounted uh, turbo lasers and uh, or the double barrel one? What's the double barrel one called? Are you talking about the laser blasters? Like the yeah, one the laser blaster. blaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, I want to get the chain fist just because it has that additional rule onto it. Um, and I think whenever that comes out, that's going to be fucking cool. Uh, and then the melt, of course. Um, and then I've got a warlord, or I'm sorry, a warhound, which will have uh, a plasma and megabolter for the exact same reason as you, Robbie. Uh, and then I've got a banner of nine knights. Oh, that's a lot of knights. Yeah. And I'm rolling, uh, three of them will have fusion cannons with Meltas, uh, and then the rest are going to be close combat knights. 
So I'm trying to do a very aggressive push. The Bellica, the, the Warlord will be like the uh, the center of fire platform, uh, but everything else is going to be pretty up close and personal. Are you running that? Ban- that's like one full banner, right? Yeah. You're not going to have like four and five. Maybe. I know that every additional knights you add increases their save, uh, so I might do two groups of six, depending on points. Yeah, I haven't decided on knights yet, because I, I wanted to start off with the Axiom Maniple, um, and then start playing around and see if I wanted to add more titans to the list, or if I want to add knights. Um, yeah. But I could see knights being super fun. It's going to be like, you know you just can't kill enough of us in time till we get to you kind of thing. Yeah, and that's really... I know that as soon as they get looked at, they're dead. But hopefully I can have so many that, you know, you can't look at them fast enough. I think it also depends on, uh, you know, how how you set up the table and what kind of theme you're going with on the table. So, like, a city fight-type table, knights are going to be pretty clutch i think you know if they can oh, yeah, dodge and out of cover alleys and that kind of stuff yeah and out of cover yeah yep and uh i think that'd be pretty neat to design a table where not everything can walk down every road right you're gonna have some narrower roads where maybe only knights can get through or maybe only knights and warhounds can get through but you still have the firing lines that the big guys can shoot down potentially um and you can play obviously you're playing with angles um with the big guys and how quickly they can move and stuff. Follow me, guys. I got a shortcut. Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, and if nothing else, hey, man, the Knights are $35 a piece. I think that's really reasonably priced, considering that they look fucking awesome. The detail, the models themselves, I think, are worth 35 And then Yeah, yeah that's, that's one, one thing that I was, I was talking about earlier. Even if there weren't rules to this game, I've always wanted to own a maniple of these Titans. Like they're, they're they're like the biggest thing we get in our, in our universe. Like when we're, when we're playing like in the fluff, you know, your narrative, you're like, dude, you can hear like the thunder of the, like the earth is shaking because of freaking warlord is coming up and it's all inspiring. And now that, you know, I don't have to have thousands of money, to just dispose to get one of these night, uh, w- one of these warlords, I can get one, even though it's not the same scale. I was going to get one of these, no matter what rules or not. I want one of these, even if it's a little one and I put it on a display cabinet or something, because that like that Titans are hair are heresy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Build it up, paint it, keep it at your office desk, man. Yeah. I love them. Ryan, what about your Legio? What Legio are you doing, man? Uh, well, I'm doing the same as you, sir. I'm doing Legio Arturus. Um, I'm a super big fan of them, mostly from uh, book Black Book Two. You know, Isfahan Five. Legio Arturus was there. Uh, That's the exact same reason I'm doing it. I play yep. the Iron Hands. You know, I gotta represent them. You know. Yep. Um, you know, they died to a engine fighting. I think Legio Mortis, uh, and trying to buy time for the survivors of Isfahan five to retreat and regroup. So, um, uh, and you know, the color plate out of book two is pretty fantastic. Um, there's some good, you know, they're, they're not, there's not as much fluff for them as some of the other legions or legios, but, uh, 
there's enough to work with for sure. And I'm, I'm super excited to start on that paint scheme. Absolutely. Well, if you do get a, um, if you end up running an event or anything like that, definitely let us know. Cause I'll, I'll travel for AT events for sure. Yeah. I, th- no, I think it's something we're going to start incorporating. Yeah, absolutely. Now here's my problem is the fact that it's still my rule that if you want to play it, you got to paint it. So I've been taking my time on this and doing the warlord one panel at a time, not using the airbrush, just hand painting and doing the edge highlighting. Uh, and it has taken a while, man. So I still have yet to get a game. And Robbie, have you gotten a game in yet? Yeah, I've got a couple now. Um, and that's, that's the cool thing. You can have a fun game with just a couple Titans. You don't need to have a full maniple to get a grasp of the game. Like my first game, it was just, I had two reavers against Austin. He had two reavers and we had a fucking blast. It was a nail biter down to the very last, uh, turn because we ended up mutual destruction killed everybody. Like there was no survivors, uh, in like, Wait, is that when was that when Austin tried to punch your reaver off a into a crevasse, and in doing so, you blew up and destroyed his reaver? No, no, no. I uh, w- so we were it, it was close the whole game. Um, you know, I killed one of his reavers. He in turn killed my other reaver, and then uh, we had two reavers left, pretty much fresh. It was like a one on one, danger close. Got in. I killed his, but then he blew up and killed myself in the process. Uh, so it was like, and it, it was crazy because he did just enough damage to get that last crit for me to roll on the catastrophic damage table. So it was yeah, like, if he would have rolled one less die to hurt me, I would have lived. I would have won, but it was just freaking crazy, crazy nuts. So yeah, definitely good. Um, so what's next? You guys want to talk about the uh, Istvan stuff, or you guys want to talk about some terrain? I would like to talk about Istvan. Yeah, let's go for it. Ryan, what do you? Uh, did you have a good time? What'd you do? <sighs> I had a miserable time. It was terrible. No, uh, I had a fantastic time. Myself and my buddy Bo uh, came down from Maryland. Bo came down from Pennsylvania, and. Uh, we were not the only out-of-state folks. There's uh, Joe was also he made the probably the furthest trip to get there from New England. Um, I came down with five thousand points of loyal Mechanicum. Bo came down with five thousand points of Traitor Emperor's Children with Fulgrim, um, which I'm sure you you probably have more to say about Fulgrim there, Will. But uh, no, it was, it was an awesome time. Um, it's always fun playing at a Richmond event. Everybody had fully painted stuff. It looked fantastic. We just setting up the board was like mind blowing seeing everybody's stuff. Uh, yeah, man, those seas, uh, like a solid two feet of just power armor. That's not including the vehicles that were behind them, but just two feet of power armor space. Some of them based to base, some of them only an inch. Definitely no two-inch cohesion on, on there. There was just everybody was crammed full in that deployment zone. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. Was the Primarchs leading their legions, and just seas of power armor and terminators and mech bots and yeah, it looked exactly like the book art you would see from book three. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think did we have like four foot? Was that about four feet of deployment for the loyalist? 
Yeah, Loyalists had four. So we did a 12-foot board. Traders had four feet either side. We had four feet in the middle, give, give or take. So, I mean, we, we had a couple inches apart. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy because we, we jam-packed. Yeah, there was. I think we started <laughs> maybe 12 inches apart from uh, the front line of the traders. But, I mean, it was jam-packed. We had uh, six Loyalist players who completely filled a four-by-four-foot area. Uh, and we probably had extra stuff that was in reserves uh, that did not fit. But it was it was pretty awesome to see. Um, and like you said, that's exactly what you would imagine is seas of power armor, um, lots of heavy stuff, probably more heavy stuff than um, is strictly narrative as far as the loyalist goes. But um, yeah, it was good, man. I really, really enjoyed it. So real quick on the board, what we had was at one end, we had the world leaders, um, sons of horse, emperor's children, and death guard. And they were inside a canyon fortress, and they were allowed to deploy up to uh, two feet out of that uh, canyon fortress. And uh, it was really cool because it looked like the, the, the traders made sure to line up their stuff to look like it was all coming out of the fortress in like a column of, of like a, a convoy of vehicles and everything like that just pouring out of the fortress with infantry staged on the fortress walls, uh, providing overwatch and that kind of stuff. And it looked epic. And then what we had was we had secured one of the trader fortifications in the middle, uh, which was a premier readout uh, and had started like setting up our own fortifications there to have like a forward operating base out of. And then Behind that, the Iron Warriors dropped a Castellum stronghold uh, to set up their further back um, forward operating base for the Loyalists, right? And this was all before their, their betrayal was revealed. Um, so the first turn and a half, Iron Warriors, Alpha Legion, Word Bearers, and uh, Night Lords, if we, we didn't have any Night Lords player, but if they were there, they would have all been Loyalists. So they were allowed to move during the Loyalist phase. Uh, and then halfway through the Loyalist turn, they were allowed to start shooting other Loyalists, and they were allowed to declare charges against Loyalists. So that's when their betrayal was revealed. Uh, but it was pretty cool, because for the first turn, we knew what was going to happen. Obviously, we'd all read the books and everything, but we weren't allowed to like deploy our forces in a defensive position about to kill them. You know what I mean? We had to wait until they would reveal their hand. So... I know, yeah, it was tempting. So. Yeah, that, that was that was rough because uh, uh, before we even like were finished deploying, I was like, okay, in the narrative, right? So I know it's going to happen uh, because it talks about you know Vulcan makes eye contact with Perturabo like the moment before he realizes uh, that they're getting ready to be betrayed, and he sees the look, and you know I was like, okay, so that means I should probably right in the back you know, cause we'd be close to, you know, coming back to, to tag them out. I was like, all right, that's what I'll do. And then I was like, no one else is trying to put their stuff with me. So it's pretty much just the salamanders holding the back end of like this whole sea of word bearers, uh, iron warriors, alpha legion, like just staring them down. Like, and I know what's getting ready to happen, and there's nothing I can do to stop it was the hardest thing. It's like, all right, 
I'm going to take a hit. How do I make it not be a big hit? Like, no, no. I mean, there's, there's nothing I can do. And I was like, wait a minute. That's the spirit of Isman five right there. I'm about to get fucking face fucked here. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And I'm going to have to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing I can do about it. But yeah, super cool. So Bo and I, the way we had it set up was we had Fulgrim and Ferris were on top of a hill. And I had made this hill and I wanted it to be big, but I think I made it a little too big. Because uh, it took up like probably a good square foot on its own. And uh, they were just up there. And they battled it out. Bo and I, what we ended up doing was having turn interruptions to where we would do our combat at the beginning of every uh, phase for both players, right? So loyalist shooting phase, we had combat. Loyalist movement phase, we had combat. Every phase, we'd do combat. So we could try to see who would die before round five when we called the game. Uh, and then he had his 10 uh, Phoenix Terminators uh, at the base of the hill, and they were blocking 10 Gorgon Terminators from coming up the hill. And we started out, all units were in base contact, and for the first turn, they all got the benefits of having declared a charge. And holy shit, man, people talk about Phoenix Terminators being bad. They butchered seven Gorgons in turn one. Uh, now, the rest of the time, it was a it was a little bit of a more fair fight uh, with uh, the Gorgons being able to take their two plus armor save and that, but that initial like burst of damage just killed them so bad. Uh, it was rough, man. But in the end, guys, Ferris killed Fulgrim in single combat, neither with any buffs nor bodyguards to like shrug wounds off of or anything like that. One-on-one combat, just rolling dice. Somehow Ferris came on top. Bo must have had some bad rolls. Oh, he definitely did. First off, I never had any idea how many fucking dice Fulgrim gets, man. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He's like Slaneshi champion all the way. Yeah, but I think uh, his sword, like his uh, post-Great Crusade sword, kind of sucks. Right? Because it's I think it's just rending the Lyrian Le- blade or Lamian blade or whatever it's called. I uh, think that's it. Blade yeah. of the Lair? Yeah, that's right. But it was just the massive amount of dice to where every turn that we would score, I'd score a hit. Now, another thing, Bo and I agreed not to do, it will not die. Because Christ Almighty, we did not want to extend it any further. Considering the fact we were doing combat phases every turn, we were doing the, the combat phase interrupt. So everybody would stop and watch this combat real quick to see what would happen, and we'd go back to doing our stuff real quick. Um, if we'd have done It Will Not Die, that potentially could have made that thing last even longer. Now, I know some people out there are going to be like, well, you're just going to ignore rules, then you're not getting the true essence of the game. You've got to find that balance between... We had like almost 20 people there, guys. We can't keep 20 people there forever and not get a, you know, a result. We, we had to get a result, so say what you will. But... Uh, the game demanded it. Honor demanded it. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, ooh, it feels good because Bo can't make headless jokes for the next year. So that's good. <laughs> is that the whole re- is that the whole reason you threw this event? Was just so you could be like, this is what should have happened. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk more about let's talk, Robbie, about what should have happened, right? Robbie, um how the how the traders turn out? 
not good. They took a fucking whopping. Like, I don't want. I don't want to say Jared is just you know a thirty k phenom, but this guy was whomping everybody he came in contact with. This dude had Korax kill Angron in one turn with the help of uh, Dark Furies, I think. And there was yeah, Dark Furies and my robots. But and yeah, dude, like yeah. So literally, Ryan's robots held fucking Angron down while Korax and Dark Furies just punched him in the face repeatedly. Yeah, and then yeah. he fucking after beating up Angron goes half the table, gets into combat with Lorgar and kills him too. So, it, my immersion, it was, it was, it was, it was being crushed. Yeah, it, it was so fun. Like there, I don't regret any of the the actions. Um, everybody was good sport. Alfarius lived, so technically, you know, heresy still going to happen no matter what. So, uh, but yeah, and then Horus, this dude gets sniped by a shadow sword. You know, the 40k kids D rules and just clear across the board. Everybody shot his command squad. It was just him at the top of this bastion and then rolled a six on the D. He dead. He's gone. Heresy over. Yeah. Pretty gnarly stuff, man. Um, and now let's let's also be clear. The traders had a lot of new players. So we did some couple things like um there was a Warhound that Robbie brought, and the Warhound ended up being uh painted pretty close to Mortis. We were just like, let's cobble it a Mortis engine then. So we gave them the Warhound so they would have that. And uh Ryan, you wanna go over what happened there? Bit of a communication here between you and I? Yeah, so um, you know. Robbie brought his Warhound, and then the Warhound was standing in front of all the traders, hanging out, helping them out. Um, and I did not realize that the Warhound was like a balancing mechanism for the game. Um, and I'm playing like a super shooty Mechanicum army. And uh, so I was like, oh, cool, a Warhound showed up, and it's my first turn of shooting. So I shot a Bane Blade, a Knight Errant a Volterax, uh, an Atropos, an Ordinator with Photon Thrusters and Bombardment, etc., etc. And I stripped uh, two hull points and... I'm sorry, stripped the Void Shields off the Warhound and then seven hull points. And then the Solar Ox player that was standing next to me shot his Shadow Sword at it and stripped the last two hull points. So this Warhound got one round of shooting off, killed some stuff, and then got immediately blown up um took some stuff out it, it didn't take out really that much no this explosion it. didn't didn't bring a yeah. lot of stuff down with but it, the but fact that we was like um can we is there a way we can bring it back in like how do we <laughs> i was actually thinking about like that a, does another uh, one just walk out of the hangar and be like hey, hey i'm here now i don't know yeah i was thinking about that actually uh on the drive back i was like because you know it did kind of end up being a little bit unbalanced um I don't think through any fault of the event organizer, it's just kind of how it, how it turned out. But I think having rolling, you know, reinforcements coming in for the traders uh, probably would have, you know, bringing the Warhound and bringing their, their big stuff back on uh, probably would have helped them out. Um, you know, cause you think about the Urgle depression and once the three, once the second betrayal is revealed, 
that the four other legions are have betrayed, then the loyal elements in the Urgal Depression are should be super hard pressed, right? So there should be stuff coming in from the flanks. There should they should just be pushed. So if uh, we do this again, what's going to happen? You know the route by war where after you take a certain amount of casualties. Now this was actually going to happen. If Ferris died, what I was going to do was use that that rot by wars ability, where every unit would have to take a leadership test, and if it failed, it just gets removed from the table, and that's oh. the unit falling back. Um, but Ferris didn't die. That that was the problem. So to compensate, what I did was I gave all the traitors hatred. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, which I kind I mean you know hatred's hatred. It's going to help. It's not going to help sometimes, but it was a bonus I thought would be nice for the entire army to be applied to. And it applied to anything with a combat weapon. So their dreadnoughts, any knights they had, everything had hatred. No, that actually that did balance like on the few I was I was playing like um you know the forward line towards the the traitor bastion, which is, you know, I had basically set up a couple units of Castellax. I set up some Domitars and they were pretty much the front line. Like I just wanted to push them into the traitor lines and then let the loyalist units that could do more damage in close because robots don't do great damage in close combat. Um, but they're really good at holding the line. So, uh, you know, letting other units kind of come over them and do the assaults. But I did notice once, uh, once they had hatred, there were multiple units, like in one round of combat, uh, trader combat, I think, um, like Jake's uh, tacticals, they killed a unit. Fer- uh, Caro's unit, uh, one of her units killed another unit. Like a couple of units fell on the front line just from that hatred. Yeah. So it did, it did start to balance it out. But, you know, it's also at that point, you're talking like power armored battles, which, you know, don't have a great effect on the overall game. Yeah. Let's talk about it real quick. Caro's fucking captain, dude. She brought a Praetor and Cataphracty armor for her world eaters. Yeah. And he fucking held up 800 points. Actually, no. no that's when, I, when I brought the knight in, when I brought the knight in, that brought it up to 1,200 points he held on to for four rounds of combat. Yeah. So that started with I had two Domitars with my Magos, Arch Magos Dominus. Who, you know, um, they were going to assault, but the traitors were able to seize the initiative. They had Elfarius on the board, so they seized the initiative. So they got the assault off. So all my stuff got assaulted turn one, and I was the front line. So she hit me with Red Butchers and this freaking Praetor uh, running into some Domitars. And that went four rounds of combat. Eventually a Leviathan joined in. Uh, Jared's Leviathan joined in. And my knight joined in and yeah. waft everything, dude. I know. Like, we finally killed this Praetor after five rounds. But that thing was I mean it was it killed a Domitar. Um it held strong against the Leviathan and the Knight. They held the line pretty well. Um You see that she gave it a name, right? She did, yeah. It's well deserved. And that's I think is that his first game? What was it? The steadfast the steadfast leader? I think so, yeah. And that was her yeah. first game, too. Yeah, but I think she named him... It was a German translation. She's German, if you're not aware of that, listeners. And, uh, yeah, the steadfast leader. Something like that. But it's fucking badass, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, Robbie, your experience. I mean, you, you talked briefly about knowing you're about to get 
betrayed but not being able to do anything about it so so uh once once the the initial um awakening happened uh, it was it was pretty bad um i did have this one rhino that just kept passing all of its cover uh, so they couldn't actually uh pop it because they wanted to assault the the tacticals in it so uh it ended up um you know, they had to assault the rhino, so they were able to get out. And then later on, uh, they were they were still a thorn. But at one point, they're shooting all my stuff. And then Mike Debal goes, "All right, we should give Robbie a little break. He's kind of taking it taking it off right now. Let's let's look at some other people. We might want to you know shoot a little longer range." I was like, "No, no, no! You shoot me, and you shoot me now, damn it!" Uh, but they were nice. Uh, they they shouldn't have been because I. Uh, I had a mastodon and it had like the biggest death star. I think you can ever put anything without, you know, abusing rules. It had Vulcan, uh, 10 fire drakes, Cassian Dracos, uh, chaplain and a primus Medicaid. And like, they were like, I was just waiting for the, the heresy to happen. So I could just turn right around and just force feed it down. Um, but then by the time that I did get it turned around, and pass through the muck like i was already looking at the field and be like hmm um us loyalists are doing a little too good right now so i ended up just keeping them in the mastodon um and then like i brought castian out and then like the next turn i brought just vulcan out and then like it was our, our last turn and then i assaulted with the fire dricks and pretty much just ended up winning the whole little bubble there uh, not not trying to it's just how you know how much devastation was going across the whole board, and af- after Jared's fiasco of of death and destruction, but no, it was, it was fun. Um, there were a lot of new guys there, which is great. Um, that's like one of my favorite things about these big events is that we are networking, and you know we're trying to grow the community. Um, so I had I had a lot of fun just you know helping helping with rules, um, you know talking about what I would do. Uh, I'm like sitting here giving advice on how to better kill myself. It's like, wow, I really want it. Don't I? Uh, but it, yeah, I, I had a blast. And that's, that's the community though, man. You know, I mean, if, if somebody feels like they're getting beaten, they're not having fun and that's not fun for, for us. I feel, I feel like for us to have fun, everybody's got to be having fun. You can't have somebody there who feels like they're being beaten. Um, so yeah, definitely. I, I do appreciate you doing that and helping them out like that. Oh, no problem. And then we had a couple of other incidents, um, like we allowed Horus to detonate the um, uh, Primaris readout we were on, which caused D6 10-inch D-blast to occur. But uh, Zach, the guy who was playing Horus, only rolled a 2. I was like, oh, man. But still, two 10-inch D-blasts, they did a lot of work. They cleaned up a lot of the heavy hitter stuff that we had on the Primaris readout. So this was the first Istvan 5 we've been, we held. Um, kind of want to have a little AAR from you guys. I'd ask everybody, but we're the only ones here. So, what are uh, three ups and uh, three downs, like things that we should improve upon uh, for the next event if we ever hold another Istvan? Which, let's be real, we probably more than likely will. Uh, I'll start. So, <clears throat> the timing, so the positive things, right? Uh, you were doing a really good job keeping track of the time, which was pretty crucial. You were setting I mean, when you're playing, I think we had 40 or 50,000 points on the board with 15 or 16 players. 
So you are pretty stringent in, okay, loyalist, you have 15 minutes for movement, you have 15 minutes for shooting, you have 15 minutes for assault. And that kept the game moving, you know, because a lot of times with these mega battles, man, if, if you're not keeping track of time, what should be a five or six hour ordeal ends up being eight or nine hours and people just get burnt out. So I would definitely um, keep that. What do you um, think of the uh, special rules to help speed up the time? Uh, I guess refresh my memory. We had, um, we had volley fire, which is if you did oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You fire twice its distance. Um, we had butcher and blade, which was one model in base contact counts as all models in base contact. Uh, and then we had um, uh, warp charged, which was on a four plus, you just cast the spell you want uh, and you minus their mastery level or you add their mastery level minus whatever. So Lorgar being master level three, if he needs a four to cast normally, he automatically casts it on a one. Whereas Erebus being master level one, he needs a three. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think in general that uh, sped things up. It, well, it has the flip side because uh, <clears throat> with the uh, mastery of blade or whatever it was, you know, if you have one dude in base contact with a squad, like this happened on on my side. Not really that concerned about it, but you know, it was like a twenty man tactical squad, world beaters with the inductee or whatever. So there were like three guys that would have normally made attacks, and now you're talking about instead of rolling like twelve or sixteen dice, now you're rolling eighty dice. Uh, it, that kind of slowed some stuff down, actually. But you also did not have to think about, you know. Um, you didn't have to do any math as far as how many actually made it, or you're not measuring who's two inches away from the guy in base contact. So I think overall it probably made it faster. There were a few instances where it probably slowed it down a little bit, but it, I, there was not a time where I ran out of time to do anything I needed to do. And I think most everybody was able to make all their attacks on assaults and shootings and all that kind of stuff, and nobody was seemed to be running out of time, which is a good thing. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, what else do you have as far as improved? Or I guess uh, maintains. Uh, I liked the amount and the size of the terrain. I thought that was like, I thought it was, uh, it was perfect. I mean, the back end did not have that much, but you're, you had that wave of um, traders that were coming into the, the back. And I thought the size of the terrain provided plenty of line of sight blocking. Um, yeah, and it, it forced everybody to be closer together, and it gave the traders more chances with their blasts to take out lots of stuff at once. So I really like that. Uh, anything you'd improve upon then for next one? I think the only thing is the uh, rolling reserves for the traders. If if the next one has kind of the offset in points that we had in this one, or offset like we did the loyalists did have quite a few super heavies and the traders did not have that many. Um, I would recommend like letting after a certain point, maybe turn two or three letting um, traders start coming in from flanks or whatever, like to start pushing really applying pressure on the loyalists. That would have been, because if they started coming in from the flanks, we would have been hosed pretty quick. Like that would have, that would have really put the pressure on. Agreed, yeah. Um, and the only person we had coming off from the flanks was uh, the Alpha Legion, you know? They were the only ones doing that. But you're right, I completely agree. It would have made more sense to have that start um, just collapsing in on us, you know? But overall, I, I liked it. 
And I think next time, I think I think we definitely will limit the super heavies to one. Now we did a Crusade Four Sword chart that still allows you to bring a War Machine detachment. Um, so you know, two knights uh, might not seem like much, but when they're fighting nothing but power armor and they're getting stomps, it's a much. It, it can be a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I actually. So I did bring two knights, but uh, I did stomp one knight. Got to stomp once, but there was so much shit on the board that they could barely move. Like the first three rounds, they kind of just stood still and didn't move because there was so much power armor on the board. So that, I mean, at least me personally, I wasn't moving my knights much in the beginning. I know I wasn't either, uh, just because they, I was like, I don't want to step on these little dudes, so I'll just hang back here. <laughs> but no, I do appreciate that. Robbie, what do you, what do you have? Do you have anything you want to improve or uh, keep doing for the next one? Well, you had impeccable time management. Um, you know, when you think about a mega battle, you know, you're like, oh, God, it's the other person's turn. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to take my time. I'm be on my phone. Like, you know, everybody was very efficient, uh, which is, you know, usually only it comes because, you know, you've got a bunch of seasoned people. But, be, you know, there were, there were new people here. So it wasn't because, you know, everybody knew what they were doing. Um, so you had a great uh, account for like the time that was going, you allotted like the perfect amount, you gave warnings, you know, uh, so whatever you were doing, your, your theory or your formula for time management, there's nothing to prove on that. That was perfect. Um, you know, the narrative, um, it started off right. I would like to have seen like a really like almost like alpha strike kind of destruction, like, we should have felt it, you know, it shouldn't have been like, Oh, now they get to just shoot it. There should have been, um, like leadership repercussions. Everybody should have been auto pinned turned one. That was loyalist for like, like for that first turn, like just the sudden awe, you know, cause you think about like, you know, this is, these are guys that aren't fresh. They're coming back. They're tired. They're getting ready to tag out the loyalist reinforcements. And they're like, yo, you got to get in there. Fucking Ferris is, you know, he's lost his goddamn mind. Um, and we, we need to reload. We need a refeed. We need to, we need to rest. And then, you know, when they're dead ass tired coming back, it's like, you're not done little boy. You, you know, that's, that was the kind of, you know, that first initial thing, I think. And that would, that right there, if you just had, you know, a little more devastation on that first turn, I think it would have, this story would have gone a whole lot different, you know, but other than that, man, the fucking event was amazing. Had a blast. I really don't have much to, to say, you know, like, uh, like I don't have a single thing to say, Hey, th do this. It might be better uh, because it was a great event. I really don't have much to add. Uh, everybody had fun. Um, no one looked like they were like, man, I don't think I'll, I'm having, you know, a good time. I think everybody could honestly say like, yeah, we had a blast, and so kudos to you. It was a good, good event. Thank you. I do appreciate it, and yeah, definitely excellent ideas all around, and they will be taken into consideration, probably used in future. I do like the initial shock and awe aspect. I, that hadn't even occurred to me. Like that's exactly what would happen. Like either a pinning test or something. Uh, like what? What is it? Like a fear check? Also, I mean, they know no fear, but holy shit. They just realized they were betrayed. Maybe, maybe they all of a sudden go to weapon skill and ballistic skill one. You know, yeah, I, it, it could be anything. Just to show that, you know, it's 
you're you're not going to be of sound mind um, coming back. And then when you you know thought you had the superior numbers, and, and it's already a touchy subject because it's the first time brothers fighting brother. And then you're like, man, it sucks that we have to do these. And then it turns out that you know it's happening all over again, you know, because you got three that were supposed to have you back that just switched on you and opened fire. So yeah, there's got to be some, you know, because you think about it, like all the people that survived this fan five have, they're like Marines with PTSD now, you know, they've got big problems. So, yeah. So you've got to, you've got to have something to, you know, to show that shock and all and that if they did survive that they just, they will never forget what happened. Definitely good stuff. Um, thank you guys. I do appreciate that. Um, let's talk now about terrain uh this was my first foray into terrain uh ryan i know you've done terrain you've, you've held events before and you've you've done terrain in that um yeah so i gotta say man making your own terrain is pretty fucking neato but it is a mess you better have a workstation dedicated to it for the past month my living room has just been consumed by this with like plastic down on the carpet Spackle everywhere, uh, fucking uh, molds getting made, all that other stuff, and just foam getting cut and weird smells and just a lot of effort put into this. But the end result is, holy shit, I got a table full of terrain now that I didn't have a month ago. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, it's it's a different skill, right? I mean, uh, there's people that play the game. They paint their armies fantastic painters out there that have never done terrain. I'm relatively new to terrain. I've, I've only started painting it in the last year or two. Um, and I haven't even done much like scratch building. Like you scratch built all your terrain, which is another set of skills. I mean, it's, and the cool thing is, I mean, every time I run an event that I've done terrain for, it's like, Oh shit. Now I can do another two tables. Like it just gets better every time. Biggest problem with terrain guys, if you're getting into the, the terrain plan, if you're not planning to move it, you've already lost. If you're if you're hosting events and you're making terrain and you've not already planned on how you're going to get it there or how you're going to store it, you've already lost the terrain game. You got to think about that stuff in advance. Yeah, I think storage is at least for me personally, that's the big one because I this shit is huge. Yep. Ugh. And uh I mean, I I've only got a car. You know, I don't have a truck or a sedan with a hatchback or anything like that you know what i mean or, or an suv so i gotta i gotta be careful on how much i make of this shit but that's why adeptus titanicus terrain is so cool you can just fit that into a fucking trash bag and go probably have you ever thought about doing terrain uh i said i've got the zone mortalis stuff that i've i've kind of got uh started um, i've got an event in my mind that uh when i find the time i'm gonna try to put on but you know, it's, you know, people don't realize making terrain isn't just, you know, a lot of labor and, you know, it takes a lot of creativity, but it's kind of expensive when you get down to, you know, getting some of these better materials, you know, and you're like, man, I'm buying this stuff to make these walls when I could be buying models. And it's like, damn, is this really what I want to be spending and, you know, painting this, terrain i could be painting other models so it's it's a big it's not just work it's also a sacrifice and i think you know 
there's got to be some recognition there to these event organizers. And like when you go to Nova and you look at the tables and, you know, people are like, oh, my God, these are the best tables I've ever seen. Uh, I think they need to take a second and just thank their EOs that, you know, they sacrifice their time and their um, their materials and their resources to to put on a show like that because it's not easy. So kudos to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, I don't know if you listen to this, but Mark is um, a fucking genius when it comes to terrain. Uh, we can talk about his Nova terrain. Now he's you know he's done some bought some kits and that, but a lot of the stuff you'll also notice is handmade by using just trash that he's found. Right? For example, he's got some great sci-fi industrial stuff, and when you take a closer look at it, you'll see things like HP uh, printer cartridges, for example. But you know they've all had like iconography saw uh, sanded off and other shit mounted to them to where they look like power generators or power turbines and that kind of stuff. Um, so a lot of this also is creativity. I'm not a creative person. I don't think I like to just paint by numbers. I find a scheme. I go with it. Um, I'm not like super artistic, uh, as far as like, like coming up with like an incept, incepting ideas like that. So people who can are fucking spot on. If you can just get with somebody who's like, Hey, that could be a fucking this, that, or the other, just fucking abuse them, man. Be like, what? Look at this. Like, uh, for example, wake is one of those dudes. He'll see just fucking scrap wood laying around and be like, I could make a fucking uh, painting station out of this. And I'm like, for real? And then holy shit, if he doesn't make a painting station out of just crap wood he's found. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think uh, if you are thinking about doing terrain, you know, do just like you said, Will. I mean, you had you had a theme in mind. You were doing Isfahan 5, so you had some source material to work off of. You knew you were going to do that, uh, you know the mountain fortress, you knew you're going to have that centerpiece where Ferris and, uh, and Fulgrim are going to fight. And then you built some more terrain off of that. So if you're thinking about doing terrain, uh, start small. Like I just after yesterday, I had an idea for a board that I want to do a centurion board. That's like jungle themed. Um, so, you know, a little four by four, start small, sketch it out. Uh, would be a good recommendation. You know, just write it out on paper what you think you're going to need for line of sight blocking. What's your percentage of terrain? If you're doing Centurion, you're going to have like 50 to 70% terrain. If you're doing City Fight, you're probably going to need more terrain kits uh, that you're going to probably have to pay some money for. If you're going to do a Mechanicum board, you're going to be probably buying some terrain kits. Um, and then, you know, a good resource, I don't know if you guys have looked at them, but Terrain Tutor uh on youtube oh dude yeah absolutely terrain tutor if you guys aren't watching him the fuck man what is wrong with you yep i mean you you he's been putting out videos and content for years uh very well recognized in the hobby community and he's also he's really good about like showing how to do stuff with pretty everyday materials that you know you can collect over time or you get some foam core type materials and you can just watch some of his tutorials and play around with it. Get used to working with foam core and PVA glue and spackle and all that kind of stuff. And eventually, um, you know, if it's something you like doing, it's a, it's an additional facet of the hobby. Um, one bit of advice, Ryan, um, if you could give one bit of advice, what would it be to that? Somebody's brand new wants to do it. 
if you just give one big bit of advice, here's mine, right? Mine? Okay. Buy that shit in bulk. Buy it in bulk, baby, because that's where you're saving money. I bought like two gallons of wood glue, and holy shit, it was like fucking 10 bucks, man, versus buying like a little tiny hobby thing of like PVA, which would have been probably eight bucks from GW or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's that's always going to be the case, especially if you think you're going to crank out multiple boards. Like, if you're going to, if you think you're going to be making terrain for other people or making terrain for events, buying in bulk is definitely a good thing. Uh, for me, I would say, well, there's two ways to approach it. If you have cash and you don't want to spend a lot of time, um, you know, like sourcing materials and scratch building stuff and you don't mind spending money, uh, you know, do research on, there's a ton, especially with MDF and um, laser cutting, there's a ton of different ways to go with terrain. Um, Death ray designs and, you know, all sorts of different ZM places you can go. So uh, you're going to have to do some research, but it can save you time, but it's not going to save you a lot of time. Because even the MDF kits, that's a lot of construction. You're still doing quite a bit of work to put those together. But I think my main my main advice would probably be to sketch it out so you have a decent idea of what you want to do. And then, you know, just try doing some tester pieces to, to figure out is the juice worth the squeeze on different materials and is it really something you like doing. And then maybe... I mean, just like what you did, I know you had some people helping out, right? So if you're building a, a table of terrain for your community, do a terrain build day. Yeah, yeah, we had a terrain day. Yeah. And that was pretty cool because people got to come over and they some people had never done this stuff. So it was an opportunity for me to, you know, learn by teaching where I'm like, hey, yeah, um, this is what the terrain tutor said to use this type of cutter if you want to do this for. Uh mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a great opportunity, you know? Yep. And you don't have to be precise with, as precise with terrain, right? So you can be drinking beers, hanging out. If you cut a little bit extra off or, you know, it's still going to look great. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. The fact, like, uh, you got to remember, it's terrain. It doesn't have to look perfect. Uh, you don't want it to take away from the, the models. You know, you got you to gotta make sure that the models are what is standing out, not the terrain, you know? That said, don't just cut white styrofoam out and uh, bring that to an event that people paid a lot of money for. No, no. I know up here, and I'm sure there's like the, uh, what is it, the ITC? Is that it? 40K ITC? I think so, yeah. Yeah, where they have like, uh, it's so painful to see, like the 12 by 12 inch foam boards put into an L on a piece of cardboard and you have two of those in the center of the table because apparently that's like the regulation for ITC events for 40k and half the time they're not even painted and it's so painful to see on the table and I don't know how anyone could do that to themselves but don't do that Robbie you got any uh, input on this? No guys y'all pretty much covered it all all right. Well, like I said, I think that's going to be us. Um, you guys got anything you want to plug? I mean, no, this has kind of been just a random little bit, but it was just stuff that uh, we were all interested in talking about tonight. So, uh, I've got, yeah, I've got two quick plugs. Go for it. We got. 
okay, so Maryland 30K. We have two events coming up. Uh, one is on 10 November. Unfortunately, it's the same day as Ariana Forge. So if you're in the Maryland area and you're not able to make it down to Richmond for Ariana Forge, uh, there is an Escalation uh, event. So Escalation in a day being run by Evan. I can't remember the point sizes. I think they're 1,500, 1,850, and 2,500. Uh, you can s check it out on Maryland 30K. And then on the 8th of December, I'm running the Holiday Heresy, 1,500-point Centurion, three games. Uh, it's also going to be a Toys for Tots uh, toy drive collection. Um, so if you are interested in that and you're in the Maryland area, hit us up on Maryland 30K. Outstanding. Uh, let me go ahead and pull up Facebook here because i got a lot of stuff going on. While you're doing that, I'll do my plugs real quick. Go for it. So I've got uh, first plug, uh, ammo, uh, MIG, some great stuff. If you've never used uh, weathering techniques, MIG has some of the best stuff. Um, it's easy. Um, it's bottled up. It's made efficient. Um, so if you've ever wanted to be like, yeah, I want to try weathering, just go ahead and just buy some of the stuff and just play around with it because that's what I did. Uh, and I've gotten some great results. Uh, second thing, I want to uh, plug Black Label Painting, uh, his Patreon. I use his uh, painting metals. Uh, he's got a really, really quick way to do metal skeletons, like from, you know, Dreadnought Chassis all the way up to Warlord Titans. That is not only one of the most easy schemes I've ever done, but it's visually rewarding. Uh, and it's probably, I'll probably be doing this and that's what I did for my, uh, my reaver and all my Titans. Um, I'll probably be using this technique for a long, long time until he comes up with an even easier way. So one more time, uh, black label painting, Dave Sampson, hit him up, Patreon worth every, every bit. Absolutely. Um, let's see. So we have on December, uh, I'm sorry, uh, November 11th is. Uh, our Ariana Forge game, so that's a Sunday. Then we have uh, December 1st is our Christmas game, which is also when we'll be doing the gift exchange, for those of you who are taking part in the um, holiday gift exchange, or the heresy gift exchange. Uh, and then uh, let me pull up some others real quick, sorry. Uh, can I jump on with an alibi? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, really excited about this. So I did CK Studio back in August, their 101 class. And uh, I've, well, I'd like to claim credit, but I believe I've helped convince them to come out again to the East Coast. Uh, they're running their 103 class, which is their heavy metal, uh, basically painting a Night Titan over a weekend. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, so it's going to, it's, uh, and the instructor for this, usually it's Caleb, but now they have another instructor, Vince Venturella, which he's pretty well recognized. Uh award-winning dude so it's uh 16 and 17 february up in phoenixville uh pennsylvania um so it's a bit of a drive for me it's about two hour drive but if you are interested in doing that then check out ck studios um and the cool thing about this is you know you do one day of doing all the undercoating shading armor panels and all that kind of stuff and then on the second day it's all freehand and OSL. So if you've ever seen any of the freehand work on uh, Night Titans or on the big panels, you're going to get a good chunk of that out of the course as well. So check it out on CK Studios. 
That's actually really cool, man. Uh, I think Night Titans are the best for doing like mural work because they have those gigantic flat panels. Uh, so that wouldn't be a bad class to get into, guys. Yep. The other events I was going to mention were the ones you already plugged. I was just looking on the other uh, Facebook group, Ryan. So we're good. Fantastic. Oh, oh, we got a new hashtag going out uh, on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Uh, we remember the heresy. So hashtag we remember the heresy. Uh, being remembered, sirs, that's what we do. So if you do artwork or you want to shout us out, hashtag we remember the heresy. All right. And with that, thank you very much, listeners. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, if not, you know, hey, there's other episodes with other cast members on it. So go listen to them. Uh, y'all have a great night. And thank you very much for listening. We do love you. Uh, from Ryan, Robbie, and myself. Have a good weekend. Bye. See you later. Bye.